and welcome to mini episode 118 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have three spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from April the 28th, 2021. And story number one comes from Aiken. I describe myself as a paranormal researcher and I have not much psychic ability. I had very detailed and vivid memories of my life starting from my birth and had witnessed enough paranormal experiences, especially after my father's death in 2012. Those paranormal experiences were generally peaceful and resemble much of the ones you have been portraying in your podcast episodes. But the one I would explain in detail here is a very unique one and has got extraordinary features, though it was also a comforting and peaceful experience. It was one of our regular journeys to Europe, but this time we preferred a late period of the year such as October to avoid tourist crowds and enjoy the tranquility. I made an early reservation to a hotel, Hotel Mediterraneo, in a small seaside town called Porto Cesario in the Lecce province in southern Italy. My wife and I planned to spend five days in Lecce province and then go to the Amalfi coast for a couple more days to explore the beauties of this popular holiday destination. As the timing of our journey was after the chaotic tourism season in Italy, the hotel we checked into and the town centre were very quiet. Our plan was to set out early in the morning and pay visits to surrounding tourist destinations around the Lecce region on a daily basis and return late at night to our hotel. We started the day early in the morning and travelled as much as we could with our rental car. The breakfast was served in the restaurant section of the hotel and I would have to say that it was just an amazing combination of breakfast food including fresh chocolate croissants and a real Italian coffee prepared at a barista section just before the entrance of the restaurant room. The only downside of the breakfast was the hot spring cooker egg boiling machine, which you had to wait a couple of minutes and serve your own stuff. The hotel was so empty that the only person we met at the breakfast was a single old man in his early 70s. During the second day of our stay, we were able to chat for a little bit with this old man and learned that he was from England and the purpose of his stay was similar to ours to visit and explore the tourist attractions of the Lecce region. It was an interesting coincidence to have this British man accompany us during the breakfast time every morning, but considering that he also had a busy daily travel schedule to fulfil, it was understandable to a certain degree for this coincidence. It was the morning of our fourth day at the hotel, and together with my wife, we again started our day with a delicious Italian breakfast, and we were the only ones at the restaurant section. To our luck this time, we did not have to wait for our eggs to be boiled at the machine, since two boiled eggs were already waiting for us at the deep of the boiling tank. After we had collected the foodstuff from the buffet, I went outside the restaurant room to the bistro section to get our cups of coffee. While waiting for the coffee to be prepared at the bistro, at the far opposite side of the corridor, I saw the old British man approaching towards me along the hallway. To my surprise, this time he was not alone, and a lady was walking next to him. First, I thought she was someone staying at the hotel, and she would walk outside through the main entrance of the hotel or come and join us for breakfast. But the lady was walking so close to him that they just looked like a couple from an outsider's eyes. As far as I knew, the British man was staying alone, and we knew no one was around who was familiar with him to walk side by side as if they had some sort of companionship. 
I could not hold myself and to satisfy my curiosity, I again turned my head towards them and checked whether the lady had chosen the exit door or separated from the British man. The answer was no, they kept walking together and almost approaching the place where I was waiting for the coffee. I looked out the corner of my eye to the lady to understand a bit more about her. She was tall, although not as tall as the British man and looked to be a similar age to him. I generally do not describe myself as a curious man and most of the time I do not even pay attention to the people around me. But on this occasion, I was not able to restrain my interest with an unknown urge. Maybe the source of my curiosity was due to the conflicting portrayal of this old British man whom I accepted as travelling alone and at that very moment had a companion, although he was acting indifferently to her. That led me to look at the couple one last time after they passed behind me to see whether they would enter the restaurant together and yes, they entered side by side. Now that I was 100% sure of their companionship, I subsided my curiosity, waited a little bit more time for the coffee to be ready and then returned back to my table. Maybe it was because I blamed myself for the excessive curiosity which led to the feeling of guilt. I did not turn my eyes to the British man inside the restaurant anymore and after we finished our breakfast, I noticed that my wife and I were the last customers leaving the room. I returned to my normal self. The British man nor his companion were no concern of mine during the whole day. Until my wife mentioned about her embarrassment concerning an event related to the breakfast time. She started to explain. You recall the two boiled eggs we found ready this morning? It turns out they belonged to the British man. He came to look for them in the boiling machine later. She continued to explain he had put them in the boiling tank and left the room before we entered the restaurant for breakfast. Anyway, he just laughed and made fun of this occasion after learning that we had taken his eggs. I kept my indifference after learning about the incident that my wife explained and just made a comment. The two eggs, yes, if they are a couple, then obviously they needed two eggs. Just as I finished my comment, my wife turned to me with a weird expression on her face and responded, What are you talking about? What couple? I said the British man. At that moment, I felt obligated to respond with a more detailed explanation and told her, You know, we had thought that he was a lonely customer staying in the hotel, but as you saw this morning at breakfast time, he was with a companion and they entered the room together. As soon as I made my explanation, my wife's voice changed and she responded, No, you must be joking. I saw the British man enter the room. He was alone and he had his breakfast alone at his table. The eggs belonged to him and he ate them alone. I did not make a comment or an objection anymore. The situation had become clear from that moment on. The incident turned into a very outstanding paranormal experience for me. What is left from my perspective was to confront the British man about the incident and ask for his verification. It was the fifth and last day of our stay at the hotel and as usual we started our day with the breakfast and as you may guess we were together with the British man again. This time we chatted more about the purpose of his travel and furthermore about his plans in Italy. We learned that his wife had passed away a couple of years ago and he decided to settle in a small town in southern Italy to spend the rest of his retirement period. From the starting moment of our chat I had the intention of bringing up the day before and asking him about what I had witnessed. But somehow, partly due to my shyness, 
and on the other hand, the potential reaction of him to such a weird hypothesis kept me from being straightforward. I just couldn't muster the courage to ask him the magic question. After breakfast, we went back to our room and packed our luggage, completed the checkout procedure at the front desk, and then we went to our car. I would not say it was to my surprise, but rather would use the word as fate plays out. Again, we ran into the old British man at the parking lot before leaving the hotel. This time, I wouldn't let it go. Strongly determined, I approached him and asked him about his thoughts regarding the incident I witnessed yesterday, and I did. He listened to the detailed explanation of the occurrences without interruption and showed no sign of surprise or disbelief. After I finished my story and asked him whether he had seen anyone walking beside him at the hallway to the breakfast room, he said, Definitely not. There was no one walking beside me along the hallway. And he continued by asking me a question. The lady you saw beside me, was she tall or short? I told him that she was quite tall. And then he answered, My wife was short in height. If she was tall, she must have been my mother. She had a habit of following me wherever I went when she was alive. I was relieved by his clarification, but he kept the conversation going and he continued to explain an incident that had happened a couple of years ago. I was devastated as a result of so many things that had gone wrong and found myself at the Tower Bridge in London. I walked through the bridge and at some point I stopped and came closer to the side of the safety fence and started looking down the river. I was mentally ruined, but did not have any intention of committing suicide. I didn't want to jump to the river from the bridge. While I was gazing inattentively at the flowing of the river, suddenly I felt the hand of someone on my shoulder shaking me softly, as if the intention was to subside my unrest and comfort me. As I abruptly turned my head to see who this person was that touched my shoulder, astonishingly, I saw nobody behind me, and moreover, there were no passers-by around me. At this moment, I understood that I was not alone through my life adventure, especially at difficult times, and was being watched over by unseen beings. After a couple of minutes of chatting, we said goodbye to each other and departed the hotel. While travelling to our second destination, I discussed together with my wife about the experience and tried to clarify the reasons under that mystical real-life story. It was clear that the target of the whole coincidence of events was the old British man and the reason behind the whole story was to convey a clear message that he was not alone in his new adventure of starting a new life in Italy. From my point of view, it would not have been possible to convey the message to the British man without my presence. Only a person who is an expert in the paranormal field could understand and deliver the message to the targeted individual. It was an extraordinary and peaceful experience for me and a comforting one for the British man. I learned throughout my life journey that the difference between a believer and a sceptic is personal experience. American author Emma Bull wrote, Coincidence is the word we use when we can't see the levers and the pulleys. Inside the extraordinary experience that I witnessed and tried to explain to you, I was able to see the unseen with the help of a divine organisation from the other side just to give a clear, comforting message to an old man who was feeling lonely in life. I hope my story will be an inspiring one for your listeners too. Before I conclude, I want to give another detail about my story. 
After we finished the second leg of our journey in the Amalfi Coast, we headed to Barry Airport for our return flight back home. We passed through the town that the old man had settled in for the rest of his life. We had not planned to go through this town on purpose beforehand. It was just a natural milestone on our route to reach Barry. But it looked like the legacy of the British man was still haunting us. I have never heard that Emma Bull quote before that coincidence is the word we use when we can't see the levers and the pulleys. And I love it. What a great quote. And actually, I'm sure there's plenty of people who are listening who will find that really comforting and feel like it's a way to describe their feelings about coincidences. Because there's lots of people who don't believe that coincidences exist and that everything happens for a reason. And in that regard, that quote kind of sums that belief up really eloquently. And it does sound like whatever happened in this incident, whoever it was that you saw with that old man, whoever that woman was, whether it was his mother or his wife or whoever, and obviously he believed it was his mother, that it was exactly what he needed to hear in his new journey in life, especially after having such a hard time and losing his wife and everything being so dark and horrible for him that he maybe he needed to hear that actually there was somebody looking out for him. And story number two comes from Steve. I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia and one of the many illegal activities that I and many other kids had was walking down the railroad tracks through a hole cut in the chain link fence to an abandoned quarry that served as a swimming hole for probably several generations of kids. It was clear and green and hundreds of feet deep. Sometimes you could see the top branches of trees deep below the water that had grown there before it had been abandoned and flooded. There were so many stories about teenagers who had committed suicide by driving cars off the cliffs or who had died by diving off the cliffs and hitting submerged logs. I don't know if these were true, but this happened to me. I and my girlfriend, who is now my wife of 24 years, walked down the tracks, through the fence and down to the quarry. The water was not clear. It was churned and murky and not really appealing. Debris was floating on the surface and after one or two half-hearted dives we left and returned home. The next day we read in the local newspaper that a woman who cleaned the office building adjacent to the quarry had killed and dismembered her husband and had been dumping parts of his body into the quarry hidden in her cleaning hamper. On the day we went swimming the water had been stirred up because divers had been searching the bottom to try and retrieve the body parts. The weird one. My family has had a farm in Upper Sandusky, Ohio for over 175 years. My great aunts and uncles have crazy stories about posting guards at the back of the church, riding horses to school, ancestors dying agonising deaths after breathing smoke, after burning poison ivy in brush piles, and a man's gravesite in the Catholic cemetery, which, when disinterred, had his Protestant wife secretly buried atop him. The barn at the farm has a lower level with areas right and left that used to hold cows or pigs or equipment. In the centre was a large area where you could drive in the biggest wagons or tractors and load or unload them. Above the central area was a three-storey rise to a grain bin and to either side were the two-storey haymows storing hay for the cattle. When the cattle were on the farm, hay would be pitched out of the haymow into a pile onto the floor in the central area to be carried to the cows. An activity that used to happen back in the day was the kids used to climb to the haymow or up to the grain bin and jump down into the piled hay on the first floor of the central area. 
not with parental permission, of course. My great aunts, Mary and Bing, both now deceased, and a neighbour, Lizzie, all aged about five or six, were jumping off the haymow, and Lizzie fell on a harrow, basically a device for breaking up soil with a lot of sharp spikes, and she took a spike in the temple and died. Sixty plus years later, my brothers and I were without permission climbing into the haymow, completely out of sight of the house, and suddenly, there's great Aunt Mary in tears. Great Aunt Bing sent her over because Lizzie came to her and told her we were climbing in the haymow. That was the first time I heard the story of Lizzie, and it was clearly not a grown-up prank. Great Aunt Mary was distraught, and not in a joking mood. True, I don't know, but these old biddy great aunts of mine were never ones to joke, lie, or be particularly fanciful. I love stories about weird near misses and weird coincidences where strange things happen and you only found out afterwards that you had like a brush with death or a brush with some weird situation like divers looking for limbs at the bottom of a quarry. How weird is that? I spend a lot of time on Reddit looking at stories like that. They are of great interest to me. And look, maybe the ants were only trying to scare the kids. It doesn't sound like much of a joke. It sounds like they were saying, please don't do this. I know it's really fun, but it can actually result in death. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe the ghost of Lizzie didn't want any other kids to end up in the same situation that she was in and dying in the same way that she died. And story number three comes from Carolina and family. My story takes place in our current home in the Bay Area of California, where we have been living for almost five years. Before this, my paranormal experiences have only been in dreams, the most significant one being that my family and I were preparing for my beloved grandfather to be reunited with my grandmother, who had died almost 15 years prior. Four months after this dream, he died. Since then, he has visited me in my dreams when each of my three kids were born. In those dreams, I've held up my baby and he would look at them lovingly and smile at us. My husband is the one who has been dealing with the paranormal from as long as he can remember. As a child, he used to hear voices and be so sensitive that he would sleep in his closet, especially when there were lightning storms, because he could feel it go through his body. His father walked out when he was around six or seven, and his mother was never really around, having to work a few jobs at a time to keep the family afloat. He spent a lot of time with his grandmother, who was an indigenous curandera or a healer. The home that we live in belongs to a longtime friend of my husband's. This was the home that she grew up in and where her mother died of cancer a few months before we moved in. We were so happy to have this space since we'd been living in a small apartment before this and were excited to have a backyard for our two kids. We didn't think much about the woman who had died there until we started to have some weird stuff happen. The master bedroom was where she died And of course, that's where we had been sleeping. As I mentioned, my husband is super sensitive and he is a light sleeper. He would wake up almost every night between 3 and 5 a.m. because he could hear a woman's voice down the hallway. He would get up, check on the kids and the rest of the house until eventually he would fall asleep in the living room watching Netflix. He would also sometimes see a shadow go into the kids' room, which was right next to ours. This would freak him out because he's super protective of them and us, so he lost a lot of sleep. The couch became his bed and he was getting really difficult to be around because he was so sleep deprived. We went on like this for over a year 
We eventually moved out of the master bedroom and into the spare room. Out of the blue, my husband received the news that his father had died. He hadn't seen his father since he abandoned the family and had spoken to him only once as an adult. My husband was his only child and next of kin, so he was obligated to manage everything. It was incredibly stressful and about two weeks later, we had the ashes of this stranger delivered to our door. We are a spiritual indigenous Mexican-American family with deep ties to our culture, ceremonies and traditions. My husband's father, however, was a German immigrant and was never part of our world in any way. Out of respect and tradition, my husband placed the ashes on his altar. I didn't feel at ease having his ashes in our home, but it wasn't for me to say. I smudged our home almost daily and had faith that we would be good. A few months after this, my middle son, who was almost three at the time, fell down and hit his head. He had a scratch on his forehead and I took him into the hallway bathroom, which is directly across the hall from my bedroom where the ashes were held, and I began to clean out his small wound. He was crying dramatically the entire time and didn't want me to put anything on his cut. I turned to get a band-aid when suddenly he stopped crying. I turned back to face him to see that he was shyly smiling and looking at something in the hallway in front of my room. There wasn't anything there. This little boy is so expressive with what he was feeling that when he gets hurt, it takes him a bit to calm down and be good. I couldn't see why he would stop crying so abruptly and what the hell he was smiling at. I didn't ask him, I just continued to clean him up and we went about our day. Another incident happened in the middle of the night. My son still slept with my husband and I at this point. I was sound asleep but I felt my son sit up and move towards the foot of the bed. I raised my head to see what he was doing. I thought maybe he was about to go and use the toilet but he stayed on the bed looking out into the hallway. I was about to ask him what he was doing when I heard him whisper, Hey! Out into the darkness of the hall. I freaked out and asked him who he was talking to as calmly as I could. He simply looked at me and cuddled right back between my husband and I and was soon asleep again. He wasn't afraid at all. I kept looking out into the hallway terrified but I couldn't see anything and eventually fell back asleep. I asked him in the morning if he remembered talking to someone in the hallway. He again just looked at me as if he wanted to say what he saw or who he was talking to but didn't know how to. He just couldn't say anything. The entire time my husband was still seeing shadows and hearing a woman's voice down the hallway, never being able to tell what she was saying. He finally had enough and called an elder to come and help us clear the house. She came with one of her helpers and after a quick walk through the house, they asked us to leave for an hour. When we came back, we learned that the woman's voice was in fact our landlady's mother who had died in the house. She didn't know that she was dead. My husband thinks that maybe she was too medicated at the time of her death to realise. They said that the woman was very confused, but they helped her to fully transition and to move on. There was also the spirit of an older man and that he stayed in the garage. I wasn't surprised to hear this since I always had a feeling that I was being watched and would regularly run back inside the house after being in there doing laundry. We think it was the woman's husband who had died a couple of years before. The garage was his workshop and he had handmade all the cabinets in there, so it seems fitting that his energy was lingering in there. They also said that my husband's father was there. 
They told us that he had to leave my husband so that he could become the person that he was today. They said that he said this in a very unemotional, matter-of-fact type of way. We had a lot of mirrors in the house left behind by the landlady's family. One behind every bedroom door and one massive one in my bedroom. The medicine woman said this was very time-consuming because they had to seal every one of them. I'm not entirely sure what they did with the mirrors or why. After the ceremony, my husband stopped hearing the woman's voice. And after a year of having the ashes in our home, we took them up to Lake Tahoe area and returned him back to the earth. Another year passed and I gave birth to my third child and we were back in the master bedroom. Things still felt off and my husband had been dealing with an illness for a few months. The voices stopped and my son stopped talking to things in the dark, but stuff still felt uncomfortable, not the way you want to feel in the place where you live. We reached out to some more friends in the spiritual community for help and advice. This time, one of the ladies asked for our address so she could look up our house on Google Earth. There's this thing where intuitives can look at a picture of a place and know what's going on. She texted us back and told us to brace ourselves. She said that when she zoomed into our home, her screen froze and in the blurry picture there was a tall black figure standing between our home and the neighbours directly behind the master bedroom. The picture was absolutely terrifying. I felt instantly cold and started to cry. It was too tall to be human and the figure was completely clear in the blurry pictures. She got back to us later to say that our home and the area around our home was used by beings from another world to basically harvest our negative emotions. The ladies, as my husband and I called them, came to our home one weekend soon after to hold a ceremony again. They are each intuitive and were able to tell us that our whole neighbourhood had experienced a lot of death and was seeped in negative energies. They explained it as being in some sort of vortex. The beings that come here are doing so because there is an abundance of depression, sadness and anger. I asked them what I could do, how I could protect my family and my children. One of them told me to commit to being joyful, to express my love and happiness and not to hold on to my anger and to absolutely not be afraid. We had our ceremony and after they left things got better. My husband finally felt better and was getting more sleep. I started to feel at home, which is strange to say since we had been there for a couple of years already. Fast forward to this past year. My mother-in-law came to live with us after becoming ill during quarantine. She's in her mid-70s and had been living alone forever. We moved her into the master bedroom so that she could have her own bathroom. What we thought was a mental breakdown was actually cancer. Since she's been here, we have had an uprise in activity. The two major ones involve, you guessed it, my kids. Since she's been here, my middle son, who is now six hates sleeping alone. He will come to our bed most nights. One morning, as soon as we woke up, he started to tell me about the night before. He told me that as he was walking to my bedroom, he looked into Grandma's room, which you have to pass to get to our room. He said that he saw his little brother standing at the foot of the bed, staring at sleeping Grandmother. He said he thought that was creepy, but didn't say anything and ran to my room, where he saw my youngest son asleep with us. He said that he was so scared and just jumped into the bed with us, covered his head and fell asleep. I told him not to worry, but I was low-key freaking out. 
all three of my eldest kids have problems falling asleep or staying asleep this past year. My eldest said that they feel something staring in through the window of the bedroom they share with my middle son. My youngest son had been walking in a fit in the middle of the night every night for about a week. He would point to my closet and cry. I never saw anything and would just nurse him back to sleep. On one of the last occasions, it was almost daybreak and the room wasn't in complete darkness. He again began crying and pointing to the closet. This time, I looked over to the closet and said, Go away. As soon as I said it, this shadow thing shifted out of my room and into the hallway. I was stunned. I hadn't seen anything here before and the thing that left didn't have a shape. It wasn't black either. It was almost as if a filter was pulled out on the top of the closet. It's hard to describe and it was so weird. I didn't feel fear, mostly shock that I had seen something and that it listened to me when I told it to leave. Now I'm the one who sees shadows all the time and usually I think it's my kids which freaks me out because the shadows are small. I continue to regularly smudge and work on our space and pray that my kids aren't harmed. I think it's such a good idea whatever culture you're in to have somebody from your culture or your belief system to come in and cleanse your home because whatever way it works whether it's a placebo whether it actually works by tapping into the spiritual realm like I don't think it matters as long as it makes you feel better about living in that particular house and it sounds like the woman and her husband who had been there previously they just didn't want to leave it was probably just that they were reluctant to leave their home and while it was obviously disturbing for your husband because his sleep was disturbed and all of that jazz it does sound like oh bless them they just need a little bit of help to move on to the other side but the neighborhood being a big old vortex no thank you and I don't know if I could maintain being joyful all the time and then if you let your joyfulness disappear suddenly you'd be assailed by tiny little shadow figures that look like children oh no it sounds like a nightmare And again, having the negative energy come into the house again with obviously taking in sick grandmother brings in a certain type of negativity that these little creatures feed off. Like, what are they? Hideous is what they are in the first place. But other than that, what are they? Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Aiken, Steve and Carolina and her lovely family for sending in their stories. If you would like to know more about Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast, you can do so by checking out our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, I shall see you next time. <laughs>